had she recognized the biases playing out for her, she could have made choices that would have had a more positive impact on her well-being. Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a podcast where we have nuanced conversations about money, business, and life, where we take the time to explore the human side of money, because success with money is never just about the numbers. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmons, and I'm really, really glad you've taken the time to spend time with me today. And hey, before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to say a big old thank you. At the end of each episode, I invite you to rate this podcast and to leave a review. And I just wanted to shout out those of you who have taken the time to do just that. As of this recording, we have 4.8 out of five stars and 22 written reviews, and some of them are nice, long, and juicy. So thank you for taking the time to share what's resonating with you. It's affirming. I certainly appreciate your feedback, and I appreciate you. Now, on to today's show. Recently, a dear friend shared an experience that made her sad. It made me sad too. It made me sad for my friend and the financial well-being of her now former client. Here's the backstory. My friend's client, and this is true, I'm not using this as a you know euphemism for me. This is truly a friend of mine. My friend's client had a revenue goal. But all of the suggestions offered by my friend, including asking her client to take a look at their pricing, was met with resistance, even though raising their prices would have helped them reach their revenue goal, they refused. As they told my friend, and I quote, I don't think the market would pay that, end quote. Now, you might listen to what I've just shared and think that that snippet is just about business and pricing, yet it's actually a cautionary tale about how our unconscious beliefs drive the money decisions you and I make and their domino effect. I am sure some people get tired of me saying, you don't manage money, you manage your choices around money. And the reason I feel so convicted about this idea in a statement is because of how behavioral biases influence you and me. Your biases color how you interpret and act on information because you and I are not as rational as you'd like to think we are. So I want to share with you a couple of biases. And I realize, again, that not everybody geeks out about all of this stuff. uh, But here's what I think you will geek out on. So there are about 100 cognitive biases in behavioral economics. Don't worry, we are not going to touch on all of these. However, I am going to highlight seven that I believe you and I bump up against the most with a particular spotlight on three that likely influenced my friend's client and their resistance to listening to her recommendations. And I'm sharing these in no particular order. 
the first one that I want to touch upon is mental accounting bias. According to the economist Richard Thaler, mental accounting is how you assign subjective value to your money. And the found $100 is often used to prove this point, meaning if you find $100, you're likely to spurge and buy something you wouldn't have if you had to work for that $100. The presumption is that you think differently about money you didn't earn, and you don't think so carefully about how it is spent. So found money equals fun money, and earned money usually has a purpose assigned to it. As you listened to me describe that, can you remember when you've treated money differently based on how it came to you? Here's another bias, loss aversion bias. Have you ever lost money on an investment? I have. And what's worse, the darn stock hasn't recovered since it took a hit in the 2008 financial crisis. However, I've yet to just sell it, take the loss beyond a paper loss, and replace it with another stock. And here's a funny side note. The initial brokerage firm <laughs> that I used when I bought the stock, that has now been acquired twice in the intervening years. I know, I need to work on this. But here's the thing, holding on to losing assets is one example of loss aversion bias. Here's another, holding on to the status quo because it is what feels familiar and safe. Loss aversion can cause you to focus only on what you might lose and blind you to what you may gain a la the opportunity costs you may lose out on. So you miss the chance to make the decision that seems riskier, but may in fact address a larger, more complex problem or set of problems. And thus you potentially lose out on the chance to identify a more innovative solution. This is one of the biases I believe my friend's client was experiencing. Here's another overconfidence. On the flip side of loss aversion is overconfidence bias. This occurs when you overestimate your abilities, skills, and knowledge. It might show up as you believing you're smarter on a topic than an expert on said topic, or you equate the quantity of information over the quality of it, or you underestimate how long it'll take to complete a task or project. I will raise my hand for that one. When you find yourself not listening to feedback, it might be because you're holding your abilities, skills, knowledge, and beliefs in higher esteem than you do the facts of the situation. And here's the thing. Most of us have been overconfident at one point or another. And I am especially looking at my fellow entrepreneurs and small business owners who at times let our optimism cause us to overshoot our sales estimates. And what makes this bias tough is that there's a thin line between being too optimistic 
and being too confident. But it often becomes noticeable only after the line has been crossed. So even if you only admit this to yourself, when was the last time you exhibited this bias, the bias of being overconfident? Here's another anchoring bias. You have goals, right? You've probably mapped out a specific plan for achieving them. If so, then you are susceptible to experiencing anchoring bias. This occurs when you are unwilling to change your initial course of action, even though new information has become available that indicates you'd benefit from doing so. Can you remember the last time you just dug your heels in, unwilling to budge, not even an inch, on an opinion, on tweaking your goal's timeline, on modifying your game plan? Yeah, I thought so. Here's another one, herd bias. Almost everyone is familiar with the slang FOMO. Sometimes the fear of missing out will prompt you to do things simply because it is what everyone else is doing. When it comes to money, I often see this behavior when individuals invest in stocks or mutual funds or venture capitalists chase startup trends. When it comes to business, I often see this when an entrepreneur or small business owner designs their business model and pricing after what others are doing without any thought of personalization. This is another of the biases I believe my friend's client was experiencing. They didn't want to go left while everyone else was going right. Here's another bias, outcome bias. If you've invested in anything, and especially if you've read the prospectus, you've read the words, past performance is not indicative of future results. You have heard that, right? Or read that. It's intended to help manage your expectations about outcomes. It's also intended to encourage you to prioritize the process over the outcome. Whether it regards how you invest, save, or earn money, where are you focused solely on the outcome, yet not paying attention to the process designed to create said outcome? And here's our final bias for the purpose of today's conversation and episode. Sunken cost fallacy bias. This is the third bias I believe my friend's client was experiencing. The sunken cost fallacy bias describes the tendency to follow through on a plan because of the time, money, and effort already invested, even though there's new evidence that proves the initial plan is no longer the best route. I'm recording this in June. So as you prepare to do your mid-year review, nudge, nudge, is the sunken cost fallacy affecting any of the decisions you need to make? I shared all of these biases 
the seven with an emphasis on the three that I think my friend's client was bumping up against because there is a lesson for all of us here. And bringing these biases to your attention, please know this, the goal isn't to eliminate your biases. One, I don't even know if that is even possible. Two, I don't know if it's even feasible. Rather, my point with sharing these biases is to help you recognize their existence in your life and business and to encourage you to be honest about when they surface without shame or judgment. This way, you get to choose. You get to choose if you let the bias drive the next action you take or decision you make. You get to choose if you intentionally do the opposite of what the initial bias might have you do. But you get a chance to be intentional. And back to my friend's now former client, had she recognized the biases playing out for her, she could have made choices that would have had a more positive impact on the well-being of her business on her sales, on her revenue, and on her personal finances. But instead, she made a choice to stick with the status quo, and that came at a pretty high price. It cost her the chance to earn more. It cost her the chance to work less. It cost her the chance to expand with whom she works. Because in my opinion, Pricing your services and products to be accessible shouldn't come at the expense of your own survival. But guess what? It also cost her the chance to continue working with my friend who is amazing at what it is that she does. And how did this play out? Well, the client could no longer afford my friend's services. So here's my big message, folks. It's not always easy to recognize or even admit what biases are playing out, but you give yourself the gift of making better decisions when you acknowledge them. Well, that is it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening all the way until the end. If today's episode sparked an aha or reflection, I'd love to hear about it. Please send me a DM on Instagram. If you'd like to show appreciation for this podcast or perhaps this particular episode, please share it so we can reach more people. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to leave a rating and a review because we do read them and we truly do appreciate them. And if you'd like to buy me a coffee, here's how you can do that buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. Again, thank you for listening today. I'll be back next week. I hope you will too. Until then, remember, it's about more than money.